Welcome to Football School, the season finale. I am Tate Frazier. He is Charlie Hume. And Charlie, we have a very special episode today. Not a very special Saturday, but a very special episode. We have Harris Barton going into the College Football Hall of Fame, going to be on the show with us. We also have my brother Gil, who's going to be joining us. It's going to be a very, like I said, special episode. This is defying all logic, defying all odds. But Charlie, how are we feeling? Season finale of Football School. I know we're down, but we also are very excited about this episode. Well, for, for this specific episode, this being uh, coming off the sixth game of the season, uh, <laughs> a home game to Florida State, if, if, yeah. if I told you this is the last episode of the season, before this podcast began, you'd be like, either something really amazing happened or something really terrible happened. Yes, a Unfortunately tragedy. For, yeah, a tragedy. <laughs> Unfortunately for uh, all Carolina football fans, it is the latter. Uh, we, are, we have recorded our third conference loss, and uh, <laughs> it... it I'm not willing to admit that we're not a football school, but I'm willing to go take some time and quietly contemplate our status as a football school and not say any more words about that in a podcast format. So that's that's kind of that's kind of where we're at, I feel like. For all the listeners, we remember on the first episode of this podcast, we came in with a lot of promise. We said there was a three-pronged attack to this podcast. It was to win the Coastal Division. It was to go to Charlotte to beat Clemson. And then it was to go to the college football playoff and cement our legacy as a football school after we went to the Orange Bowl last year. None of that has played out as we had hoped, unfortunately. And as we remember, Charlie went to the first game and wore a Hawaiian shirt. And uh, a Hawaiian shirt that was filled with magic once upon a time in 2019. <laughs> and uh, we're a superstitious podcast, so we, when we said it was a football school, this might be our way to kind of you know bow out this season, see if we can get things back on the rails, and to help us get back on the rails, a man who was defiant against that Hawaiian shirt, uh, he's turned against it from day one. He is my brother. He is Gil Frazier. Gil, welcome to football school. Thanks for having me. Good to see you guys. Gil, are, I, are, I said are, this to Tate earlier. Yeah. I said this to Tate earlier. Uh, is this entire podcast a giant Hawaiian shirt? Is that is that what we did this season? Pretty much. Um, you know, I, I'm still very bullish on the program. Okay, I'm optimistic. I'm Tar Heel born. I'm Tar Heel bred. When I die, I'll be a Tar Heel dead. So, look, oh, yes. we, we still have hope. We're three and three. It could be much worse. When uh, before Matt came back, we what what two wins and Nathan Elliott was a quarterback. No offense to Nathan Elliott, great guy, but um, we're in much better shape now. The future is still bright. Yeah, I mean, great guy is probably the way that you would describe our program. And as I do a bit on my show, whenever you say someone's a good guy or a great guy, they're usually a loser. You know what I mean? Or they're, or they're not doing so great when you're talking about sports people, right? You know what I mean? It's kind of like he just got fired, but man, he's a really, really good guy. Larry Fedora, the era ended. I had given up hope on North Carolina football. As you know, you guys know, Butch Davis, I, I bought the Kool-Aid. I drank the Kool-Aid. I was all in on Butch Davis. I was in high school. You guys were in college at the time. It was a four-year window where we really thought that we were on the precipice of you know being a, a real football school. And then that went away because of the, of the NCAA. And then Matt comes back. There's limited hope, but we all were at the South Carolina game. We saw Sam Howell make magic happen. What's happening with Sam Howell, Gil? Can we just talk about that first and foremost? Because, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to be a Heisman contender. Right now, you know, he might not even be a third-round pick. Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the receivers on the outside not stepping up for Sam. I mean, I, I think last okay. year he spoiled with the I mean, Choppery is that guy. I'm still telling you, I believe in Choppery Brown. And I think when Choppery Brown turns it around, that's when this team will turn it around. So he, he makes the plays in practice. He just uh, – they got to build his confidence. They need to give him some early catches early in the game, let him learn how to catch the ball in a game situation. Right now he's got the yips. 
He's got one catch. He's got one catch for 70, 75 yards for a touchdown. That's it. One catch. But then he's also had like five important drops that we really needed. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And, and he, he, each of those drops to were touchdowns. I mean, pretty much. So, or, or, or 70 yard yeah. pass interference calls, but in college, you don't get that. So, um, I, I really yeah. think the offensive line has done Sam no favors. The receivers on the outside have done Sam no favors. And, um, you know, it, it's it's hard when you're Sam Howe um, to get comfortable back there. I mean, Stacy Searles, the offensive line, they got to get right. That that's what it boils down to, in my opinion. Ooh. Like I, I, I love we've gone immediately to granular because this is like <laughs> Gil Frazier's wheelhouse. Like this is this is what you come to be Gil yes. for. Like he's gonna give you he's gonna give you the next level analysis. He's gonna give you the uh, the synthesis of everything you can find on the Inside Carolina message board. Uh, I, I'm willing to get to get granular, granular with with you both tonight, but just for a second, I think it's worth stepping back and just and just looking at how we arrived at this place because I think really the it, it's a product largely of the fact that. We had two – the first two seasons with Mac Brown went far better than anyone could have ever imagined. Like, to Gil's point yes. about winning two games with certified nice guy Nathan Elliott. Like, the first Such year nice winning winning seven games, you know, winning a bowl game with Sam Howell as a true freshman playing quarterback, that really wasn't supposed to happen that way. And I think a lot of that, as we look back now, we look back at the season where we almost beat uh, Texas A&M in the Orange Bowl, and we did that without the running backs and the wide receivers that got us there, largely, outside of Daz Newsome. I mean that that there there was more talent on those rosters than we thought there was, and so then you win those nine games, you come into this season, and everyone, you know, I, I think that's we we've, we've had this discussion a number of different ways on the show. It's like the, the the preseason hype wasn't entirely unwarranted. It's just that you know everything that's happened since then has been entirely confusing, shocking, you know, disappointing. Like I, I just, I mean, Gil, we, we talked a little bit a little bit about this midweek. Like, who do you pin? the responsibility on like from a, like, is it, is it a player thing? Is it an assistant coach thing? Like, you know, and how do you hold those people accountable for it the rest of the season and in the off season? Mm. That was a question directed at you. Yes. Sorry. My internet was, uh, it's <laughs> going out. <laughs> but, uh, so I, I repeat the question. Is it pulling out to an assistant coach or is it a player? Or is you're, I mean, you're getting granular, but I think it all goes back to the Hawaiian shirt. To be honest with you. I think I think you showed up in Blacksburg in that godforsaken Hawaiian shirt. Um, in black, I mean, come on, man! Like, and, and then you wore it, and then you wore it again okay. in Atlanta after I repeatedly told you not to. You, I mean, you defi- just defiant as all get out. Um, then you come to the Duke game at home. Okay, like I think we could put a squad together and beat Duke. So you know that really yeah, doesn't too. Charlotte beat Duke, right? So. Yes, Northwestern, but Nebraska yeah. lost to Illinois, beat Northwestern by like 70 points. So um, they're not mm-hmm. very good. Um, and, and so really all three L's, Charlie Hume was in attendance. So is it the Hawaiian shirt? Is it, Hawaii, is it Charlie Hume? I don't know. That, that's what it comes down to in my opinion. I don't know if it's the coach. I switched, like I switched my attire after the second loss. Like you, you told me point blank. I actually, I, I, t- I think I, I texted Tate uh, on game day before the Florida State game. I said, how hilarious would it be if I showed up to, because we went to the game together. How hilarious would it be if I showed up wearing the Hawaiian shirt? Would Gil speak to me throughout the entirety of the game? Like, and, and so we, we quickly nixed that idea, but it obviously didn't help. Like, I, I don't think we can blame the Stormtrooper uniforms, the Hawaiian shirt. All these things at this point, they, they get another run next season. Um, what, now, where you've taken us actually is the direction that I, I would like to go, which, which is let's get away from all the breakdown and let's talk about 
Gil Frazier's North Carolina fan habits. So mm. it, it, is it true? Could you give us an estimate? How many <laughs> shirts do you still own that you're no longer allowed to wear for North Carolina sporting events because they have bad juju on them? Ooh, In terms question. of shirts, I don't know. I mean, I, fortunately, Tate and I have a mother who's a like big, big Carolina fan, and she's, also wildly right. superstitious. Yeah. And we'll buy as is our father too. I mean, we even though we lived in the same house, we watched every Carolina basketball and football game growing up. If we weren't at the game, um, it was a rule like neighbors couldn't call the house during Carolina sporting events. You know, I mean that that's that's the rule in our house. Yeah. So like if they called, it'd be like, why is she calling? You know, tell her not to call. So anyway, I mean, I think my mom always has done a good job getting us new Carolina gear for Christmas every year. So, I mean, generally it's yeah. like new wardrobe every year. So there are countless shirts uh, to answer your question. Um, probably, I mean, upwards of 30 that I, I can't wear. I mean, I, I still have a shirt in my closet that I wore at the LSU game in 2010 um, in Atlanta that, you know, I'll wear it to work every now and then, but I'm never going to wear it to Carolina Sporting Event, you know. Um I don't throw things out. I don't donate things like I should. I'm starting to do better with that. But uh, somebody's going to look up and get a lot of good Carolina gear soon. Let's start that. (laughs) We could start a charitable foundation where basically it's like like our own version of when they make the Super Bowl champions. Yeah, Yeah, Gil's Closet. It's like when they make the Super Bowl (laughs) champion shirts that for the team that loses and they have to like mail them to some (laughs) far-flung place where they need t-shirts. That's what we should do with your bad luck Carolina shirts. That's perfect. Yeah, 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 send them to California. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I I appreciate, you know, you explaining how we grew up, Gil, because a lot of people – they think I'm a fanatic, and I'm like, you don't even know. You don't even know the half of it. I mean, have you ever met Billy Frazier? Have you ever met Gil Frazier? Have you met Clay Frazier? My God, the poor pillows that have been thrown in our house during college, you know, any college basketball game, college football game. I mean, there's a lot of passion that goes into it. But, you know, as as we look at Mac Brown, Gil, I mean, you were old enough to remember the first time that Mac Brown was around. You know, how much how much of that did you have you been skeptical the whole time? You know, have you been able to enjoy any of Mac Brown? Because I drink the Kool-Aid, you know, going into the Orange Bowl after I saw Javante Williams run over a guy, you know, that confirmed all my suspicions that, OK, Mac Brown has something going on here. But then, you know, the 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 smart part of my brain kicks in and says Larry Fedora recruited Javante Williams and Javante Williams is a three star recruit that would never probably get recruited by Mac Brown. So. Where are you in the Mac Brown? You know, you remember the first time. Where are you in 1.0 versus 2.0? I mean, 1.0, I was still young, but um, at the same time, that was like the first like major sporting event I ever went. To. I mean, it wasn't the first major sporting event, but first major football sporting event I ever went to. Eight years old, went to Judgment Day against Florida State. I mean, we were in the temporary bleachers. My mom and me freezing, pretty pretty cold if I remember correctly. Um, but they, they didn't even have seats to accommodate the, the capacity of that game. This college game day, they brought in temporary bleachers, and that's where we were kind of at the top for that game. But um, yeah, I think we lost 20 to three. But um, that's when I was kind of hooked. I was like, man, this is an awesome environment. We can get back there. And I still think we can. I think Mac, ultimately, Mac is a salesman. So what he's done on the recruiting trail, he's also done to us, which is partly why we're here today. You guys have a podcast <laughs> called football school because he made us all believe um, there's nothing wrong with believing. Like, you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of, I mean, they I always say about Mac Brown, he can sell ice to Eskimos, you know? So um, I'm buying ice from him. So um, let's go. I'm, I'm still, I'm still on the train. I think Mac's still right for the job. I think he's got the boosters behind him. 
Um, he's got to shore up the X's and O's, um, the in-game management, but he'll get there. Well, so he, he, he acted like he acted like he didn't know who sold the the bill of goods. You know, sorry to interrupt you, Charlie, but like after the game, after the Florida State game, he's like, you know, the the media did this. He's like, I can't believe the media hyped this up. And it's like, well, Mac, you were <laughs> you asked all these questions and you confirmed all the all the questions. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, well I think I think the point that, that Gill makes, and this is this is why I, I think we're all at the same interesting crossroads this week, is that you don't get rid of Mac Brown because you know, for better or worse, like I mean, I know maybe we're not getting the three star Javante Williams of the world, but like you are statistically <laughs> going to have a better chance of being a good football program to bring better talent in the door. And so Mac is going to continue doing that. He's an amazing salesman. We're all buying ice as Carolina football Eskimos. So like that is not something we want to change. However, the X's and O's, the in-game management, that type of stuff, it must change. Otherwise, we're, we're perpetually going to be a program that has high expectations and fails to deliver and makes us all feel really terrible year after year. So my question to you, Gil, is that the, the, these, this coaching staff got extensions after the Orange Bowl. Like it's it's hard to say. I mean, sure there have been issues with with players not executing here and there, but ultimately when you have this sort of system failure across the board, you really got to look at those coaches. And so if you can't, you know, if we're talking about the booster supporting and and maybe some of these guys, if you got to let them go, footing the bill for buyouts, do, do you just not see that type of thing happening? Or or, or where if, if things must change, is it literally just hey guys get better at your jobs, or do you think there will be coaching staff changes in the offseason? I don't know. I think Max a very loyal guy, but ultimately it's about the end results, right? So I mean, I, I think he he he's proven in Texas he got rid of uh, what Manny Diaz midseason. Um, Manny Diaz. I don't know that he's in that same or has that same cachet, so to speak, at North Carolina right now. I think. There are a lot of budgetary constraints with the COVID year last year without fans and stands, et cetera, that all kind of factors into things. I I think something needs to change, um, but I think it may be more of the players, coach, culture that Mac is kind of instilling. I think there just needs to be more accountability across the board, um, whether that I, – I, and, I, and that goes back to, to last year's team versus this year's team. I think – Michael Carter was not only a tremendous talent, I think Javante was more talented and he was my favorite player on that team, but Michael Carter was a leader, man. He, he went through those bad years with Fedora and he was like, we're not going to let that happen. And he led and Gillespie, Coach Gillespie, who's no longer with us running back coach, I think he was great. And that's, a, that's another factor from last year to this year. Um, but I'd say, um, I'd say, you know, you don't have the leaders that you had last year, the outspoken leaders anyway. Um, I mean, I don't think we give Chas Rad enough credit on the defensive side, too. I mean, he was yeah. he, he knew both yeah. sides of the ball, right? So, um, I think there's just more accountability. Sam's just a soft spoken guy. Um, and, and they just need to hold the guys accountable, whether that's running them more, whether that's um, the bench is a great motivator. I really don't know the answer to that question, but um, but a coaching change right now, like who are you going to hire like this season to mm -hmm. replace? For instance, your offensive line coach. I don't, I don't, I don't see that being an immediate solution. Maybe at the end of the season, for sure. Yeah, it's, it would just be a PR move at this point. You know, it, it wouldn't be anything more than that. So we get that. And uh, yeah, I mean, as as you talk through it, Gil, you're, you're being so rational. I mean, you mentioned the bench. 
I think a lot of the the Mac Brown people or the Mac Brown bandwagon fans that just jumped on, they're all saying, where are these four and five star recruits that I've been hearing about? Why aren't they playing? And they are on the sideline, but they are freshmen. And we, you know, usually don't expect freshmen to play. But is there a certain point where, you know, if this season has gotten away from us, where we just turn to the freshmen and say, hey, uh, Vahasek, thanks so much for your service, but get out of here. We got to build our D-line for next year and, you know, be protective of Josh Downs. Maybe don't throw it and target him. 15 times a game so he's taking big shots over the middle do do we get to that point because I would be fine if we start playing these freshmen because I want to see what they look like even Drake right let's get Drake in and see what he looks like yeah or, or Chris well or some of these young offensive linemen we're losing a lot of, I think we're losing a lot of snaps on that side of the ball potentially next year with guys that lose eligibility or could potentially lose eligibility all that's kind of wishy-washy with the COVID year and all that it's, I'm, I'm not Totally yeah. clear on who – I think they're guys that they list as seniors that actually could have an extra year of eligibility with all that. But um, we'll see what happens there. I, I think I think with respect to the young guys playing, like Power Eccles, like I think he's got to play. You know, no no disrespect to Jeremiah yeah. Gimmel, but I think Ra-Ra and Power, those guys just flash whenever they're in the game. And going back to that targeting call, Park State, that was horrible. And that, 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 that play <laughs> changed the momentum in that whole game for me. I don't know if you guys agree or not, but that was a special teams play on a kickoff and – downhill after we were up to nothing on that play um but I, I think you play the young guys if they've earned the right to play you know what i mean they still have to show and practice that they're doing the right things um in order to get on the field you can't just play them because they're young guys you know what i mean but all they've been yeah. doing all all yeah. season is touting the depth depth at all positions so let's see it right i mean let's see that depth gil what what was more impressive to you in that game uh power Eccles hit on that kickoff or the fact that I ate seven cake pops in the Cory box. I thought you ate more. You had seven like in the first half. Like I think you <laughs> Did I get seven in the first yeah. half? Might have been. Those are some good cake pops, yeah. man. I tell you what, Carolina football, they they do a we maybe maybe struggle on the field this year, but they do a cake pop right. Look little, little yeah. Carolina blue icing on top, little chocolate inside. Cannot beat a, a cake pop, courtesy of the Carolina football. I will say that's that team. Our, our mom. I would say that's yeah. the only thing that made no, the, made the, the entire game somewhat tolerable and gave me a chuckle. <laughs> Just kind of like you after the national championship game in Houston, um, confronting Scotty Pippen and telling him how wrong he was about the Golden State Warriors not being able to win a game against the you know ninety six ninety seven Chicago Bulls. So I needed that. So I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here to humor you in in our, in our darkest <laughs> moments. I mean, I, I really think. I mean, and that that's actually that, that leads us back to a more a more uh, serious question of sorts, which is, which is that the three of us here have experienced this level of disappointment from Carolina athletics at various stages, like it, you know, basketball, football, really and truly, football feels like it's the same old song every single time. You know, we yep. we, we we maybe have the South Carolina opener is our one like truly euphoric trip where we came in low expectations, but we were excited about a new quarterback, won the game, got to celebrate in Charlotte. It was literally the best of times. I mean, what do you, where do we go from here, Gil? Like ending, ending the season, like is it, is it success if we can win six games, win a bowl game? Like, what do you, what do you project next year's team? I know you got to see who's coming, who, who's staying, you know, but like, what do you like, is this team can we turn around and say hey we could challenge for the cfp next year or or after this last year like will nobody make that same mistake yeah, i don't think we can i think we got to pump the brakes you know like uh i think 
um, being ranked number 10, being ranked as high as number five last year. But that was partly because the Pac-12 and Big Ten hadn't started playing yet because of COVID. But all that's a little – it's a little too soon on, on all that. I think we've got to earn the right to be a top 25 team, uh, take baby steps. At this point, let's just take it week by week. I know that's cliche to say, but take it week by week. If we can beat NC State, Wake, I know Mac is, what, 5-0 and against in-state schools since he's been back. So we've got to maintain that undefeated streak against the in-state rivals. Um, and then I think, you know, making a decent bowl game, who knows, the Coastal is chaotic. I think the curse of death not only was a Hawaiian shirt, but being picked to win the Coastal. Any team that gets picked to win the Coastal, like, falls flat every year. So um, I think ultimately going into next year, we don't want to be favored we're better as the underdog we're better as the hunter instead of the hunted i mean it just goes back to me like 2014 that team had talent um and underachieved i think they won what six or seven games played in the bowl game in detroit um that was a disastrous yeah. bowl game i think but then in the offseason uh fedora's credit he was like okay um hiring gene chizik and then just when you think carolina football, football is going to write you off they do something to give you kind of a shot in the arm and like it was gene chizik that year <laughs> It was the leaders and Marquise and uh, Shaquille Rashad and Matt Collins, those guys stepping up. I think that's going to happen this offseason. I know Sam's probably gone, but, um, but you know, I mean, the defense, they, they have too much talent not to be better. You know, they're going to be better. Mm. Yeah, guys like Conley. I, I was going to ask you, Gil, is there anyone on the team, you know, that you've just, like, really been impressed with? Because I know we've talked about all the negative stuff. I mean, that's that comes with losing. You talk about the bad stuff. But is there anyone, whether, like, Conley, who's a sophomore, or obviously, I mean, Josh Downs has been, you know, I, I feel bad for him how much he's targeted. He, he's kind of like the only one. It seems like he's on an island uh, to, to make plays. But is there anyone that stood out to you that you're like, ah, I, I, I like this guy, and I, I think he might, uh, you know, take that leap, like you're saying, going into next yeah, I don't know. I mean, speaking of Josh Downs, can you imagine, like, how much more production he'd have if, like, he had one viable receiver. You know, for instance, like, Bo, I think Bo Corrales, if Bo Corrales was on this team right now, um, you know, I, I think Josh Towns has way more space. I mean, the fact that he's done what he's done, yeah. um, with everybody knowing he's our only option other than Sam running the ball pretty much, I mean, it's pretty wild. I mean, remarkable. So, Downs for sure, like, I mean, he's, he's, he's all world at this point. On defense, um, I think, I mean, I think honestly, like those young power echoes, like whenever he's been in the game, I know it's kind of been in trash time a few times, but man, he's looked really good. So it was Rara Dilworth. Vardy Ritzy looked pretty good against um, Florida State. Um, you know, I'm excited for the future with Keyshawn Silver. He's obviously not really played, but a couple of snaps this year. But um, yeah, I think Tony Grimes yeah. has looked, looked pretty good. Um, you know, he had a lot of expectations on him. He, Florida State, I mean, George Jefferson would throw the ball, but I mean, he, he held down, held his own over there um i'm excited for storm Doug to get back you know i feel like this year has been derailed because brian anderson's been hurt the center position on the offensive line is the most important right i mean you can't can't give up pressure right up the middle um that hasn't been right all year uh i thought it would be better than it's been but it hasn't hasn't been and then on defense like storm Doug's been out um and that's been a huge loss for us i think he's yeah. our, i think he's our best yeah. corner I, mean, I think he it went healthy i think he's better than tony Wow. Well, I mean, Tate, this is, I mean, look at what a, look at what a long road we've traveled <laughs> just in the, in these seven episodes in six weeks. I, f I feel like we, we've done the schedule check numerous times. Beginning of the season was all W's. Then it was all <laughs> trap games. Then it was like maybe half trap games. And now it was, it was definitely all trap games. All the games we thought yeah. were trap games they ended up being trap games. 
Um, so I, we've, alert, we've alluded to it. This podcast is this is the end of the season. I feel like it makes sense to uh, unpack that a little bit uh, in the latter half of the show, especially with our uh, our, our uh, on retainer lawyer here, Gil, to legally dissolve our affairs. Um, <laughs> but we, but I feel like feel like maybe we get to Harris Barton uh, talk about maybe some some sunnier, happier things, and then yeah. come back and and bid farewell to all of the uh, the legions of, of loyal uh, football school listeners that we accumulated this season. Absolutely. This is not the end, but we have to talk to a Hall of Famer. Let's get to Harris Barton. Hey, baby. Well, I'm around now. now joining us on Football School, he is the sixth North Carolina player to be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. He is a world champion, and he is a man that knows how to block on the offensive line. We need that right now in Carolina football. He is Harris Barton. Harris, thank you so much for joining football school. How about that, man? Football, I haven't been in football school in a long time. It's been about 30 years since I was in Carolina football school, but this is nice. Nice to be back. Well, so we're, we're <laughs> super excited for you to get honored this weekend at the Miami game, and, and there's a lot to cover you know, since yep. your time in Carolina and, and you know, this making into the Hall of College Football Hall of Fame now. But to kind of start even before your career, so you were you're you're from Georgia. You're recruited, you know, by Southern Cal, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, a lot of the traditional college football powers. But you chose to play Carolina. What what kind of made you initially fall in love with with Carolina and decide to go there over some of those other schools? Well, when I was being recruited, my my father uh, came to me and said, "Listen, two rules. First rule is you can't go to any school in Georgia because you'll never leave home." And that ruled out Georgia and Georgia Tech. And then he said, you can't go to any school in California because you'll never come home. <laughs> and so that, that ruled out USC, UCLA, and Stanford. So I looked around, and I, I really wanted to get an education. And I thought I'd go to North Carolina to get a great education. It's very difficult to get into from out of state. You guys know that. Um, but uh, I thought I'd get an education and move back to Atlanta and work for Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs or Coca-Cola. But it turned out I was a pretty good football player and ended up getting drafted out to California. My dad's right. I never did come home, right? I'm still out here. <laughs> Your dad knew from the start. And can we just talk about that time in North Carolina? Because, I mean, we were at that time really a football school. We had a lot of talent like yourself that came through the program. And obviously, you know, Lawrence Taylor is the one that, you know, a lot of people beckon back to. That's when my mom was in school at North Carolina around that same era. So can you just talk about, you know, just North Carolina football? Lord, did you have any knowledge about North Carolina football? Or were you coming there to try to make a legacy, make some tradition? Because we're trying to find that tradition and legacy as best we can. Yeah, no, I, I really wasn't. I, I really honestly chose North Carolina because of the education. Uh Dick Crum sat in, in my living room and talked about you know how great the education was going to be and, and I was going to play in a, in a, in a great on a great team have a great opportunity. And the first couple of years I was there, I was redshirted my first year, but we, we were pretty good. We had we had good squads. We just couldn't get over the hump of beating a Clemson or a Florida State uh, at the time. So that that was discouraging. But we had great offenses. We had quarterbacks like Kevin Anthony and Scott Sankavich. We had great running backs. Kelvin, you know, Kelvin Bryant, Ethan Horton, oh, Eddie Colson was a great fullback for, for, for the team. We had great, great receivers, really good defense, but we just couldn't get over the hump, you know, to be a, a uh, to be a legacy, right? And the, and the big problem was we were good enough, but the basketball team was so great at the same time. And so it was, you know, we always seemed like we were fighting that basketball program, but, you know, they, they earned it. You know, they earned the, the, the right to, you know, to be the number one uh, school, number one team at the uh, at the school. So uh, it was an uphill battle, and I felt like we made some good headway while I was there. But um, you know, I, I think now that now they're they're trying to do it again. I think I think they're doing a much better job than we did back then. Well, so and it's interesting. So you came in. Is it true that you recruited to play the defensive line 
And, you know, and, and, yeah. and then Joe, yeah. is it John Matsko? I think he's the current offensive line coach for the Washington NFL team moves you to center like that first summer of practice. Yeah, the, the first the first day I came in, I was recruited as a defensive lineman, and the first day I got there, I said you, you're a center, you're you're gonna play center. So they stuck me on the <laughs> scout team in that long summer. And uh, another guy that's in the College Football Hall of Fame, a guy by the name of William Fuller, was a guy I played against every day, wow. and he used to beat the crap out of me. I mean, it was it was it was not even close. And I that's where I saw how how greatness was, and William Fuller really kind of taught me that. Um, and you know, I moved, I played center, uh, my redshirt year. And then the first, the first year I was eligible to play the first, one of the first games I played in was at Clemson. So I was able to, you know, block against William Perry, uh, the refrigerator at, at Clemson. And I had, I, you know, I played two years at, uh, at, at center and then I was moved to left tackle. Yeah. Wow. I mean, though, there's so many anecdotes. We have a Lee Pace yeah. story that, you know, said that your roommate, uh, Pat Crowley, had said at one point that you woke up in the middle of the night working on your pass sets before it came against the Citadel. Uh, can you just talk about the, the college version of, uh, of Harris Barton and how you lived your life in Chapel Hill? Because I think we all beckon back to our time in Chapel Hill because it, it was such a great time. Yeah, I mean, I went in with high goals and I, I wrote those goals down and I tried to achieve them every day. And, you know, the goals were, hey, First year, you want to make the traveling team. Second year, you want to be great. Uh, the third year, you want to be, you know, some type of All-American. And, you know, by your, by your fourth year, you, you know, you'd, you'd be like to have an opportunity to play in the NFL. Um, and those were goals that I worked on. And, and, it, and, and the, what was shown to me, you know, by guys like William Fuller and Dave Drexler, who was a great offensive lineman, Brian Blados, hey, hard work, man. You got to be hardworking all the time. You got to be constantly prepared for your opponent, no matter who it is, because at any one time, you can, go out there and fail. And so I was, I was kind of maniacal about my preparations for games and the way, the way I did things, uh, how early I got to the stadium, uh, you know, working on pass sets every day. And you know, it, it, it ended up working out for me. Uh, I was, but I was the same way with school too, because I figured that there are three things you could do in school. Uh, you could party, you could play football or you could get a great education, but you can only do two of them and do them well. And so I was determined to, It'd be a good football player and be a great student. And, you know, I did party some, but, but uh, that wasn't the main focus of the school. And, and I had great success. I, you know, I had, it was matched up with, with great coaching, you know, John Matsko. And then later, later on, Bill Stewart came in uh, to coach me. And those guys taught me how to play the game. So, so just in talking about the culmination of those four years, I, I read this earlier and I, I thought it was a misprint. You ran a 4.79 yard, 4.79 second, 40 yard dash at the NFL Combine as an offensive lineman. How? How did you do that? You know, you could scoot. It was at the <laughs> that's, that's pretty... it was it was fast, uh, and that's kind of what put me up on the board as as a first round pick. You know, a lot of teams looked at me as being a, between a second and third round pick. And when I went to the Combine, and I, I did the I did the bench press, I think like 40 times, which was which was way above average and then i ran a 47940 that 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 immediately got interest of, from a lot of people in, including san francisco 49ers you know at that point in time they were a west coast offense and they they were looking for light fast offensive linemen that could you know cut people down and get get running backs out out into the open uh and i, I fit their style immediately 
And can we talk about that? Because you go 22nd pick, you go to play for Bill Walsh. You know, when you, you talk about the coaches in football, there's, you know, Bill Belichick is what people would say today. Then there was Bill Parcells. And then obviously Bill Walsh, you know, and you, and you hear the stories about his greatness and, and what he was like as a head coach. What was it like to, to be that kid to get that phone call and say, wow, I'm about to go play for Coach Walsh? I mean, that, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal. It, it was cool. I, I never forget where I was. I was sitting in that, there used to be a bar in Carborough called Martini's. It was a good Italian restaurant. And, uh, they allowed me to come in there for the draft. And actually, Kenny Smith was at the draft because uh, he, he was he was a good buddy. And I got the phone call. It was the first year ESPN had kind of had, had broadcast it. Uh, and I got the phone call from Bill Walsh and said, hey, uh, right now the the, uh, the Jets are going to take Michael Vick, and not Michael Vick, but Roger Vick, and uh, we're going to take you with the next pick. So pay attention. So sure enough, the next pick, they come up, and the, uh, Paul, T- Paul Tagliabue, who's a commissioner, comes out and says, 49ers take with his 22nd pick, Harrison Barton. I'm like, geez, Harrison Barton. That's all. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's how it started. That's how my career started. And and uh, I got on the phone call with, with uh, Bob McKittrick, who was my offensive line coach. He said, hey, we're going to fly you out here to see us tomorrow. And so, sure enough, uh, the day after I graduated, I was flown out to, to see um, to, to see uh, the 49ers. And I walked in. First day I got in the huddle, there was Joe Montana, Roger Craig, uh, Ron, wow. Ronnie Lott, uh, you know, um, you know, Tom Rathman, Jerry Rice, John Taylor. Uh, it was quite a team and quite an experience. Really, one of the best teams in football. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and the rest, as we know, is, is sort of history. You win, you win three rings with the Niners. You make two All Pro teams. Not to fast forward through that portion of your life, but you've done something very rare. You've you've excelled in two different disciplines, and you know, part of that was. The connections you were able to make playing and practicing in the Silicon Valley, meeting CEOs out there, helping you establish relationships that helped you move into to venture capital. So I, I'm curious, in those two extremely successful careers you've had, what achievement in each of those are you most proud of? Uh, you know, I'm most proud of um, of when I had difficulty or failure, I got back up and got back on the horse. Now, certainly not every game when you play in the pros or in college, you're going to win every battle or, or you're going to win every game. And it takes a lot, man. When you get your butt kicked and you got to get back up on the field, get back on your feet and play the next game, uh, you, you have to be strong. You have to, you know, you have to be, you know, dedicated and 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 to you know to to, to make sure that you are going to be great again. And the same thing happened in business. You know, I mean, I had a successful business. Things kind of went sideways in the in the uh, economy, so my business went sideways, and I had to get back up on on my feet and, and, and do it all over again. And so th- those are the things that I'm most proud of. Those are the things I point out to my kids: is that hey, it's easy to be successful when nothing when nothing bad happens, but when something bad happens, you show me somebody that gets back up and gets going again, then I'll show you somebody that that is truly successful. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a, see, that's a North Carolina lesson right there. I'm glad that you went to North Carolina. <laughs> Very good wisdom. We love to see that because, uh, you know, just because we fast forwarded, you know, a little bit through the football career, I want to go back to you getting the Hall of Fame call because uh, Archie Manning, right, was the one that, that gave you that phone call in January. And I, I'm sure that was the, you have you're fortuitous in that you have all these legends around you all the time. It might be something to do with you, Harris. No, no. You know, he Archie Manning, he's been great with this whole process. I mean, I, I've known him for, you know, from afar from, for a long time. I mean, he was my hero when I was growing up in Atlanta yeah. playing for the Saints. Uh, and we became friendly and, um, he's, he, at one point in time, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, he said, Hey Harris, you need to, you know, you need to get the athletic director at North Carolina to get you on this hall of fame ballot, because that's the only way you're going to get into it. And I certainly think you deserve it. And so 
Bubba was great about it. Bubba worked hard on uh-huh. it. Uh, I had a buddy of mine, Dan Burmeister, who helped write letters. Uh, Bubba called me and said, hey, you need to get two letters written. Well, I got one written by, you know, Mac Brown wrote one of the letters and Ronnie Lott wrote the other letter. And then on, it was actually Christmas Day, uh, Archie Manning called me. I was in Hawaii during the pandemic. And uh, he said, hey, uh-huh. uh, you know what? Get ready. Uh, you're going to get a notice that you had been nominated to go into the 2021 class uh, of the College Football Hall of Fame. And, and you know what? It, 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 when, that, when you get that call, you kind of start thinking, you start thinking about your high school coach. You start thinking about all the guys you played with and your pro players and your high school buddies and, you know, your family. And it's just, it just kind of brings it all back, uh, you know, mm-hmm. into, it, it kind of closes the circle. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I'm, I'm super, super joyous. Super joyous. And it's it's going to be kind of cool this weekend where one-third of North Carolina's College Football Hall of Famers are going to be in attendance. Mac coaching the game, Dre Bly coaching the secondary, and you're going to be there to be honored. Is it Does it make it that much more cool to know that you're part of – you know, there are a lot of other universities that I'm sure have, you know, a countless number of inductees, but you really made a huge stamp on the North Carolina football program. Does that make it more special for you? Yeah, it does. I mean, it had a Mac you know, who didn't even coach me, kind of nominated me. That means a lot. Uh, and, you know, actually, William Fuller's going to be at the party as well. Right. And Don McCauley might show up as well, too, uh, who are also Love there. It. Um, and so, yeah, to, just to be in the North Carolina, uh, you know, a representative of North Carolina Tar Heels in the College Football Hall of Fame means a great deal to me. I mean, I'm so honored that I, you know, it's like you, you, you walk among giants. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible experience. And, they send you a little plaque that's, you know, with a football. And the plaque says something to the effect of since 1856, 5,400,000 people have played or coached college football. And as of 2021, only 1,000 of them were in the Hall of Fame. And so you start to do the math on it, and it's like, dang, man. You know? <laughs> and I watch football on Saturdays, and I'm like, man, these, there's some good players out there. And to be known as one of the best ever uh, – it's it's a humble, it's humbling, very humbling. Yeah, and to do it while wearing Carolina blue, which uh, you know, I think a lot of people, like you said, they de facto go to. Well, Harris must have played basketball. <laughs> <in the Hall. laughs> it's good to have that for Carolina football. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Absolutely. Uh, we we didn't want to talk too much about it. We do want to bring up this current season, Harris, because you are the expert. Um, you said you're watching college football on Saturdays. UNC football right now. We're three and three. We had uh, you know preseason. You know we're top ten expectations. Is, is there anything? Because Charlie and I, I mean, we we've talked about it ad nauseum at this point. Is there anything that you're seeing, uh, you know, or or that you've noticed uh, from this season that you're like, I hope we can figure this out and then get back on the right track? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I watch the team practice in the in the off season. And I watch them practice in the preseason, and you know they they get then the quarterback's great, offensive line's great too, defensive line. Return a lot of stars. It's just they just seem to be missing that one key play, you know, that one key tackle that that stops the team on third and ten. You know, the 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 one drop ball that you know the, the receiver if he catches it he goes for you know goes for seven and 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 in yeah. the game's out of out of reach. Um, and they just those are the plays that make a season. Those are the plays that make make a team. And so they've got to figure that out. Uh, they got all the talent in the world. Uh, they got great coaching. Uh, Good special teams. I mean, great fan base. Uh, play well on the road. Score a lot of points. They got to stop, you know. But but they just got to make those key plays when when the time is when time is there. You know, you can't drop the ball. You can't 
you know, miss the sack. You can't, you know, let the guy run by you in the, in the secondary and be wide open. It's, it's a very, very competitive game, and you, you've got to be ready. And, and from that offensive mm-hmm. line perspective specifically, because that, that I think is one that's not easy to you know evaluate or, or understand unless you've played the game or you know have someone who's taught you who's played the game. And, and I think that you know that for for us, we have five guys returning from a team that made the Orange Bowl and nearly won last year, and so it's it's just been a bit of a head scratcher, you know, why they've played the way they played. So I'm curious from your perspective. When you're when you're playing with it with a unit with five guys that are playing really well, what are sort of the, the hallmarks of success there? And when it breaks down, you know, how, how do you kind of turn that around from a whole unit perspective? Yeah, well, if you, you operate as a unit, right? And you study as a unit, and you practice as a unit. And so when things break down, you, you should come together as a unit and tr- try and figure out what went wrong. Now, one of the hard things about the Carolina offense is, you know, they get that run pass option. Okay. And when, when that, when that doesn't work and they go to straight drop back, it's a different type of pass routine. It's a different type of pass pattern. And so when, when you get behind, you know, 10 points and you got to come back in the fourth quarter, you know, the other team's not going to pay attention to the run pass option. They're just going to, they're going to just blitz and they're going to bring people off the edge and they're going to, they're going to try and get to the quarterback. And uh, so they they haven't had the benefit. If you're up 21 points, then of course you can do anything you want, and the offensive line's going to look great because they're going to be mashing people on the run game. And you know what? They're going to they're going to have some quick dropbacks and throw to the, the receivers. So they've had they've had a little difficulty this year in, in falling behind teams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I was at the Virginia game; they were down with half, right? So that now they've got to come back. You got to change your offensive line schemes. You got to change the way you you pass block, and so that that's what's hurt this offensive line. I, I think they got. Good tackles. Uh, the center, I know, has been off and on. Um, and the guards seem to be pretty strong, too, as well. But it's just you, you, they've, you know, they've got to come together. They've got to come together in order to get uh, a couple more wins so the team can go to a bowl. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we, you know, maybe all overestimated or got a little bit ahead of ourselves, you know, with the idea that we were going to lose, you know, Javante and, you know, Deami Brown. I mean, there was a lot of NFL talent that left this program, especially the offensive side of the football. I mean, and even Chaz Surratt on the defensive side. I mean, love Gimmel to death, but, I mean, Chaz was great to have in that spot last year. And, and like you said, those timely tackles, those third and twos that you need to stop. We have not been able to find success right. uh, so far this season. And, you know, look, 3-3, three and three, 500, you can obviously there, – there's a chance to, to turn the second half around and, and bounce back. And I, I like to hear that you believe in the town. Well, I hope they, 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 they play Miami this week. Should be a great game. Um, then they go to Notre Dame, uh, and that should be a great game. And you know what? You win those two games, now all of a sudden people start talking about you. Notre Dame will be highly ranked. And you got a chance to kind of get back on this thing, right? And I think they play Wake too late in the year. Yeah. Is that right? Go, yep. You know, Wake's Wake. Wake. I think it goes. Yeah. It goes. Miami, Notre Dame, Wake, Pitt, Wofford, NC State. That's the rest of your schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So you got you know you you you, you got a, a lot of opportunity if you run the table, man. This this team is playing for the ACC championship, and who knows what happens after that? Yeah. Well, hey, this is you know like one it. one thing that Mac Brown, this team, have done really well is recruiting, and so I, I want to take you out on on a little bit of a high note here because you have done some some great recruiting of your own. You are the father of two current Carolina athletes. We've got Anna's <laughs> junior season on the women's lacrosse team starts in the spring, as does Paul's freshman season on on the men's side of things. Uh, are you gonna, you you're spending a lot of time in the Triangle in 2022 watching some of those lacrosse games? Yeah, well, we're trying to. We we actually bought a house in Carolina, oh. so uh, we're, we're we're looking forward to coming back. We bought a house on uh, 
on Gimgul Road, which is right there next to the campus. And uh, we're so excited about, you know, I I think what the lacrosse team does there, both men and women, I mean, they, 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 you know, they, they've done a remarkable job with my daughter. My daughter, you know, she's a junior. She, you know, went through that COVID year. Uh, Jenny Lovey is one of the best coaches in the, in the, in the whole business. Uh, and she, she makes, she teaches, she teaches these girls to grow up to be, you know, great women. And uh, that's not easy to do, right? That's a hard, that's a hard role, but she does a great job. And, and, you know, my daughter doesn't, doesn't play as much. Uh, she hadn't played as much as, she would like, but hey, you know what? She's learning so much, and she's having such a great time with her teammates, and she's being a great teammate. My son, you know, he's a freshman, and, and uh, Joe Bresci is a coach there, and Joe looks you right in the eye and says, hey, listen, you know, he's mine now, right? We got him, and hey, you trust Joe to raise raise a, 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 a great man, and, and I think that's what they're going to do, and that's why I'm so excited about the program. I'm sure, that, hope they win, hope they go to the Final Four, hope they win the National Championship. You know, just to get that Carolina degree and play for such quality coaches is uh, is, is just – that would be just fine as well. well you, I told Charlie this. We're like 20 years away from being a lacrosse school, I feel like. So there you go. We're, you're getting ahead of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm way ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll rename the podcast <laughs> at that point. Yeah, lacrosse yeah. school. Well, and you got you got two kids left. So so how's the recruiting process going there? We're, we're, they're, they're coming in. This will be the first time they've been there. My son Jack uh, is a great little lacrosse player out here uh and my daughter ellie uh is she's not she's not a she's not a uh a lacrosse player but she's a good student and uh we'll see if she likes it we'll see if uh, we can get her grades up to, to to get her into carolina the good news about chapel hill is that you don't really have to sell it you know you just bring people there and you just let them experience yeah. it let them let them soak it all in that's and then you say totally hey, right. i want to be a part of this. that's totally right <laughs> totally right yeah, fantastic well, absolutely. Uh, there you have it. Uh, 2021 Hall of Fame inductee uh, Harris Barton. He will be there at the Miami game this weekend. If you're at Keenan Stadium, stand up. Give him a standing ovation. He's a man that helped make us, uh, you know, a football school in our hearts and our, in our minds. And Harris, thank you so much for coming on Football School. All right, thank you, guys. No problem. That was awesome. Hopefully, see you guys on us on uh, on Saturday. Yes, yes, yes sir. sir. All right. Wow, and there you have it. Hall of Famer Harris Barton. I mean, that that'll get you fired up, Charlie, for, you know, you, that's a real football school guest right there. I mean, that that made me feel better about the program. He he said he was on the precipice of being a football school during his era. So it's not like it's far-fetched. We're we're right there. We're right there. We're we're forever running the same race, which is fine. That's a, <laughs> that's a fan experience that we're okay with, but it was it was great to hear from a, a hand in the dirt offensive line type of guy, you know, some good insight on the current team and also just like you know, to, to step back for a second and, and, and be a little, you know, serious here, a little bit of like he, he, there was some, there was some inspiration in there about, you know, yeah. how to handle yourself in times of adversity in life when you need to kind of, you know, get back up and, and figure out what your character is. That was you know a very successful guy. Clearly, he embodies those type of virtues. So it was cool to hear from him. So, yeah, Harris Barton, congrats on the Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> And I'm a sucker for anyone that says that North Carolina is an academic school, right? That that's the reason that he went there. And as much as you know, this podcast is called Football School. You know, a little tongue in cheek, but at the same time, we got the history. We first forward pass. Lee Pace wrote a book. If you want to go read that, if you don't believe me, there's a history behind this. We got Lawrence Taylor, the inventor of the sack. These are all football school qualities. But at the end of the day, our Hall of Famer Harris Barton came for the academics. So you can make all your jokes all you want to. But getting getting that degree from North Carolina still means a lot. 
Um, but Charlie, we got the elephant in the room here, which is this is the season finale of football school. So we gotta we gotta explain to the people, you know, peel the layers back. We got Gil here, our, our legal representation, to make sure that all things are ducks in a row here. Gil's shaking his head as soon as I say that he's he does not represent our legal interest um, at all. Um, but but you know, Charlie, the the season finale of football school. Why are we doing this? Why are we stopping down right now? Yeah, I mean, and and Gil is absolutely on legal retainer, and uh, this is you're all part of uh, our client attorney privilege conversations happening live right now over the airwaves. So uh, you know, consider yourself subpoenaed in the event that we need to go to court for some odd reason. Uh, yeah, I mean, as it relates to this podcast, I think that uh, there there the, the the famous tale of of Alabama fan Harvey Updike who oh nice uh, see this is yes. why we're a football school because you can relate to Harvey Updike relate to you can relate to Alabama who 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 confessed live on air on Paul Feinbaum's radio show that he'd poisoned Auburn's Oaks at Tumor's Corner and his justification was that he just had a little bit too much Bama in him and I and I love that 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 explanation that line so much because it really is mock us all you want in terms of our dedication to this the school's football program that people do not see as a football school and we very much do see it that way is we live and die with this program and it hurts yes. when this program loses a great deal and when this program wins it's the best thing in the entire world and so here we are can't we came to the season we had lofty expectations as we always do and we've been you know punched in the face a couple times and it does not feel good and and so we're sitting here now and and we're, you know there are a lot of other people who are listening to this podcast right now who are in a very similar boat who love this football program and want nothing yes. more for for it to, for the, than for it to succeed and that's not how, how the season's gone so we're going to give you your time back because we need to take a little time to to do some quiet reflection and and honestly because I'm not entirely convinced that we're not the Hawaiian shirt that, that we may have jinxed this entire thing. I, I, I'm yeah. a little bit worried that us doing this podcast is, is the reason why we've lost all these games. We went to the Orange Bowl last year. Again, Javante Williams uh, and our entire team destroyed the U. And, and I think, you know, around that time in 2020 in the fall, we all looked around and we said, wow, I mean, this is Carolina football that I signed up for. And we've had these moments before. I remember when Ja'Cory Harris threw five picks when he was a Heisman candidate, you know, when he came to Keenan Stadium. You know, these these are moments in time where you're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to finally get over the hump and we're going to make things happen. And like you said, Charlie, we're superstitious here. And, you know, Gil and I, I mean, we, we can't help it. You know, we, I knock on wood three times if I see wood. That's just who I am at the, at the end of the day. And with North Carolina football, we called a show football school. We came out talking about the college football playoff. We had a Heisman hopeful in Sam Howe. And now seven shows into the situation, we, we really don't have any of that anymore. But we, we do have the times that we had together, which were great times. Um, and I think that's, to be honest with you, it's kind of the Carolina football experience. Like, like we, it, it's, it summates the whole concept of being a Carolina football fan. And we'll, we'll still come back. We'll still be here. And that's what Carolina football fandom is really all about because you don't always get to enjoy the spoils, but you get to enjoy the conversation about, man, it's possible. It's right there within reach, and sometimes you just don't get there. That could not possibly be better stated. Like that, mm. that is Carolina football, the fan experience. It's the friends you make along the way, and, <laughs> and they are the best of friends. And, and look, at, look at us. You know, for how, how many years we've known each other, and worked in media and various, you know, uh, various faculties. And here we are finally getting to do something together that has made us happy. And we've enjoyed getting together on a weekly basis. And you know what? Didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. But we're not going to stop believing in this program. Mm -hmm. And this is not a, a, a goodbye forever. Okay. Like, hopefully this is just the end of this season, you know, as it relates to us being a football school. And we will, we will 
recollect ourselves, and we will be right back there believing in this team and its potential next season. It's just that now is the logical time for us to say, okay, it's time to bow out. It's time <laughs> to see if we were the jinx, whatever it was. But but even with all the losses, I will I will forever appreciate having gone on this journey with you, Tate Frazier. So thank yeah. you. This is this has been a fun first season. Absolutely. And, you know, we're still a football school. I mean, this is no concession. We are not backing down from that point. We are a football school. As I said multiple times on the show, the first forward pass. What is your favorite thing when you're at home, the casual fan? You love watching people throw passes. You love Justin Herbert. You love Pat Mahomes. You love Tom Brady. That's us. We did that. We take credit for all that. That would have never happened without North Carolina football. So, again, you're welcome. Uh, that's all we can say uh, when we talk about college football and North Carolina, and we have them in the same sentence. But, Hopefully, this is a reverse jinx. I learned this from Bill Simmons. Can we reverse jinx? Can we stop this podcast down? Can we stop the, the season? And then can we turn our season around in college football and make us be, you know, it's coastal chaos, Gil, right? We, have, we always have a shot in the coastal. Is that true? Or am I, or am I, being, am I, am I being too optimistic? Yeah, we always have a shot. I think the schedule makers did us no favors. We've had five ACC games. No other schools played more than maybe three or four. But, um, Part of that's yeah. <laughs> and, and and we we lead the nation in trap games too. That's right. That's yeah. a stat. Yes, look seven up, trap games. Most trap games yeah, in the nation. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, I, I, as a as a listener and uh, one being made to be on this podcast against my will because I lost the bet at halftime of the Florida State game and because I'm mad. <laughs> that's how dedicated you were, Gil. You were like, I will literally come on this podcast, my worst nightmare. Like, I mean, that's can, that's how. Yeah, please yeah, tell can, the story. can we can we actually can we stop there because actually this is a good little <laughs> behind the scenes moment because before, prior to that bet being made and I'm I'm you know very sadly lost but if the one silver lining was Gil coming on this podcast you know it had to be done so but prior to that I asked Gil once again my weekly plea to him please will you join the podcast and Gil <laughs> angels in the outfield me outfielded me I think is the proper term there he told me that he and his mother Billy would come on the podcast if we won the coastal like oh hey I'll come back and be your dad if the angels win the pennant like what is that man so I I mean you know it's it actually this is the version of angels in the outfield where it all just goes to shit quickly and then the dad just has to come back because the kids can no longer be in foster care it's a much darker angels in the outfield the the alternate (laughs) timeline uh, but here, but here you are anyway, and we appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I loved it, Gil. We needed yeah, you. Yeah, I've enjoyed listening in, uh, you know, to to the show the past however many weeks, what six or seven weeks. Uh, sorry to see it go, but again, I, I do believe we're a football school. I love Carolina basketball. I love all Carolina athletics, but my heart lies with Carolina football, and I just want them to be, you know, I, I want them, I want them to make it to the to the top, to the pinnacle, so to speak, um, sooner or later. It's going to happen one of these days, but. As you said earlier so well, this is Carolina football. We've, we've experienced this so many times in the past. Every time it feels like we're about to, you know, we're on, we're on the precipice of uh, becoming great, something blows up, whether it's the NCAA or center being gone this year. Who knows? I mean, or, or an offsides yeah, call against Clemson. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I still don't think, even if we had won that game, they would have found a way not to put us in the playoff, and that would have been even more difficult to swallow. <laughs> Plus, we got shellacked by Baylor after that so that was kind of a bad taste but um anyway that you know I, I think I've enjoyed the podcast hope you guys uh find it in your hearts to come back and, and do a show for us in the future I don't think you guys should be dissolved to the mainstream I think you should be distinct you gotta be the one <laughs> we're making four we're making 40 year decisions out here not four years so listen Gil we that is it's very touching and kind as as a friend as a brother as a fan of the show 
but you're also here in your your formal capacity as the show's <laughs> retained legal representation. So, yeah, we, legal I, disclaimer: No, I'm not at all. <laughs> so, we, just, we just have to do a little bit of legal housekeeping here. So, I think first item on the list is. Uh, what is the status of trademarking the phrase football school? Where are we with that paperwork? Did, did that uh, go through? Did that happen? Did, can, we print, can we print shirts yet? Was it can, unique we enough? Shirt, can we sell the shirts we've already printed? I, I will make no representation as, as to any of that. <laughs> that's about to, he's answer. about to plead the fifth on our podcast. That's the, that's the best case scenario. I, 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 haven't, I haven't been retained for any of that, so. Well, let's yeah, just say official. theoretically that you had been retained. <laughs> what type of legal advice might you offer us as to whether or not we can sell shirts with the trademark football school wordmark on it? I'll get you in touch with a good IP trademark attorney um, after the show. Oh, I appreciate that. Sh- I appreciate that. I think I think that'd be great. <laughs> we thought that what, you were what, doing what, the paperwork. Tate, Tate knows one. <laughs> Say what? Yeah. Do you, what? What other? What other legal items we need to resolve here? I feel like you know what? What's? What's? Uh, what can we run through with Gil here? Because I feel like there there has to be more legal entanglement than than just the trademarking of football school. I mean, I, honestly, I, you know, to get rid of a podcast, one, we're not getting getting rid of the podcast. Yeah, I think that saves that saves a lot of the headaches. You know, I mean, but it does sound better when you say dissolve. You know, so we are instead of this being the season finale, we are dissolving. Um, this iteration of football school, right? Is that is that a, a term that works, Gil, as a, as a legal term? We're dissolving our, our assets so far with the football school? Yeah, that, I mean, that works. I mean, I prefer, like, I prefer suspend it. It's not necessarily a legal suspend term, it. but dissolving means it's kind of done. But you know, let's just suspend it, and then you bring it back when the time's right. So I think that. ultimately, ultimately great legal legal advice right there. legally, illegally, whatever, I think the only thing that needs to be done is trying to burn the Hawaiian shirt, and I think it's a good return. I, on that I, point, I, I, uh, I think that's you, a good point. You mentioned earlier, yeah, he mentioned earlier about um, having thought about wear, wearing it to the Florida State game, and yeah. the fact that it even subconsciously or consciously crossed your mind about wearing it means that it was with you at that game, whether it was physically on your body or not, <laughs> on your person or not. So I think ultimately you're responsible for the three losses. So yeah. either you don't physically yeah. show up or you burn the Hawaiian shirt, then I think we're 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 good. <laughs> Well, this this actually gives me a great idea for some uh, football school <laughs> spinoff content. Because do you remember uh, on ESPN, uh, I don't know how many years ago this was, where uh, Lou Holtz and, and and Mark May would like argue like attorneys for different yeah. teams. Yeah, that was. Do you great. remember this? Yeah, that was. Yeah, awesome. Yes. Yeah. So I I think Gil should be like the presiding judge over like Juju Court, where like you know you bring because because this is you know this is really you know pulling back the curtain a little bit here, but like. I had I had approval in one group text to wear the shirt, and and I had denial in another group text. So like it would have been really nice if we could have brought this issue <laughs> to like a court where we could have some real resolution amongst fans. Gil probably shouldn't be the judge because he's going to be very pro. Everything <laughs> has juju on it, but yes. I think I think there's a legal a legal capacity for you there, Gil. Yeah, well, I think I think ultimately one group obviously was a bunch of yes men that. <laughs> weren't going to tell you like what you what you needed to hear and i'm just going to tell you what you need to hear so yeah that's what you want for your legal representation i didn't speak to you i didn't speak to you for a whole week and um you know <laughs> only did that because you know I, I told my daughter that you might be at the game and she wanted to see you so that was guilt texting me guilt texting me telling me he was still not speaking to me but uh because i'd offered to make breakfast for his family at our home yeah, that's right 
And he said, uh, he said, um, <laughs> I'm not speaking to you, but I just wanted to let Amanda know so she doesn't make any breakfast. And then he said, like, hashtag for Amanda. It's like, that's really, <laughs> that's kind of you to Amanda, not to me. Please yeah. speak to me well, again, Gil. <laughs> he took a week. He cooled down for a week. I mean, I will say, when Charlie told me he was going to wear the shirt to Atlanta, I immediately was like, Charlie, that is the opposite of the right answer as to what you do in this situation. So, I mean, I, I appreciated the idea, but I, I think that burning the shirt might lead us to win every game the rest of the season. I think I think that could happen. I don't know. I, I don't, maybe, shirt. maybe, maybe, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say you have to, because obviously you bought the shirt, but like maybe this is just a sacrifice you're willing to make. Because I mean, that's what a real football school. Harvey Updike got rid of a tree. You know what I mean? You can take down a shirt. Yeah. I, I can take down a shirt. You know what? And that's, you know what? That's, that's a, that's well said. That's a good argument. You know, he had a little too much bam in him. He killed a bunch of trees. I, I can. What is what are shirts made of? That's the wool cotton. of a sheep or something. Yeah, yeah. cotton. So I'm I'm just I'm basically giving a sheep a, a one of those like crazy haircuts you see on Instagram where like the barbers yeah. use the flames and all the shit like that. <laughs> so all right, okay, I I can I can do that. I just feel like I need a nice dramatic setting for it. And do I do it before the Miami game or do I yeah. save it? Do I save it for Notre Dame? No, you do it. You do it before. Go, Gil. I was just say the the alternative to be like I'll go ahead and get all my old shirts together and we and you throw it in to buy donation to Goodwill or Salvation Army or whatever else and that way it goes to good use, right? That's good karma. That feels more productive. And you know what? That does. That's why you're on retainer, Gil. <laughs> Look Not at you. Retainer. Not retainer. You're on retainer because you're doing wonders for the football school foundation where we're helping yeah. people. I, I, I lost the bet. Uh, strictly would like to be behind the scenes, but I lost a bet. I made it my word. And, uh, I enjoy speaking with you guys, whether this is being recorded or not. So, well, it it is kind of genius, Gil. I like your goodwill idea because we give those football shirts, you know, those Carolina shirts, you know, to goodwill, and then we're walking around, and then all of a sudden we got more Carolina football fans, boots on the ground. You know what I mean? Maybe we even hand them out to some people in in Oxford and Henderson. We just start giving them out. We we need more foot soldiers. Yeah, I mean, let's do it. I love this. I actually love this idea. If there's one good thing that comes out of this season. If we have like a bad juju, char- charitable donation sort of situation going on, this is yeah. good. I'm glad we workshopped this. This is we're going to offline the rest of this because this is actually a really good idea. Although I guess if people steal this and donate clothes, that's probably a good outcome anyway. So yeah, take take this idea and run with it if you're listening. Yeah, to keep tonight. donating, keep donating. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, all right, so th- there you have it. This has been football school, the season finale. Harris Barton, thank you so much for coming on. Gil, is there any any last thoughts that you have for the football school fans for Carolina football? Any Anything else that you want to send us out on? We'll get the shot in the arm. Carolina football will be back. We're a football school. I'll leave you guys to your taglines, but uh, I've enjoyed it. And until next time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Charlie, uh, tell them. All, all, all I have to say is, well, I have to say a few things. And, and it is, <laughs> first of all, thank you, listener, for listening. You made mm-hmm. an investment of your time in us. Hope you enjoyed the ride, as short lived as it was. And we hope to be back soon. So thank you for that. And it's a 40 year decision. It's not a four-year decision. Mm. It's not a four-game decision. It's 40 mm. years, okay? We, we all, three of us in here made that decision, and that's why we were all going to go out there and be the one. Yeah, so get that towel out of your pocket right now and do like Petey Pablo, that white towel, and just swing it around your head because we're throwing in the white towel for right now. But football school will be back, and we will see you then.
Dude, Gil, you were you were exceptional. 